This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. Project, welcome to this episode with Luke Scott, the founder, co-founder, I guess, director of RecGen. As you guys know, they are our apparel partner. They are a men's, primarily initially, a men's focus athleisure wear brand. And uh, we've talked about them before. You guys know all about RecGen. But today, we got to speak with Luke, talk about the industry, talk about the athleisure wear industry, talk about the technology that's going into garments, talk about what's coming up for their company, what we can expect. And I thought it was just a really interesting conversation because I love clothes and you love training clothes mm. as well. And just kind of finding out the ins and outs of what it takes to kind of build an amazing product is always fascinating. Yeah, there's way more to clothes than even I thought about before going into this. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, just different fabrics, all good. And then yeah. you start to get into it and the inside of it is actually really interesting, particularly when you work out a lot in clothes. And I think if you've thought about starting maybe an apparel business or having that side business or anything like that, this will be a bit of a reality check of what really goes into making something successful. Yeah, so hopefully by the time you guys have heard this and I would say so at this point, uh, RecGen has released Generation 2. So that is on the website. Uh, you can go there. Finally, they've been out of stock for a long time. You'll hear why in this episode, but you can go there now. Our discount is at themindmuscleproject.com slash RecGen, R-E-C-G-E-N and you can uh, get that discount apply it to the website. I think it's 15% off. You can get it all there. Um, so make sure you check that out. And then finally, guys, as well, quickly, the programs at which we host or the program, the software at which we host our programs, the Project Body Strong and Fitness is on Team Builder. So that's one word, Team Builder. So no E, just an R at the end. Uh, that's an amazing piece of software. If you guys want to launch an online program, if you want to house an online program for in-person clients, if you want to do it for online clients, if you're ready to start your online business, they're an amazing company to work with. And if you guys have used our programs before, you know it's an amazing app. It works extremely well. You can um, house long-form videos. You can put educational content in there. Obviously, it's really easy for clients to fill out. So make sure you check it out, themymuscleproject.com slash teambuilder. And that's team builder, one word. And then there's no E at the end. It's just uh, builder, B-U-I-L-D-R at the end. So check that out there. All right, guys, here we are with Luke Scott from RecGen. All right, My Master Project, welcome back today. Actually, I just wrapped up with another founder. Now, I'm with a new founder, but uh, someone we've known for a while and actually a product that we've used for a long time. We're very excited to talk about. Um, and actually, I remember, Raf, when we first started the podcast, this was probably the partner or the industry partner that we wanted the most, but only really managed to get until now. And that's for a variety of reasons. Firstly, it's not done very well ever. Uh, and then second, not many Australian companies uh, exist in this category. And this is... But also because when you own a CrossFit gym, you spend your whole life throwing out clothes because mm. you never have any good clothes, but you have so much bad free clothes. Yeah. And the story goes that really the only thing we've ever worn for a long time is Lululemon outside mm. of shirts that we print on that are really cheap with our own brand that we throw out after a couple of months, a couple of workouts. But I kept my eye on the States for a while and seen a lot of men's focused athleisure wear companies that uh, do a really good job, but nothing that had made its way to Australia until RecGen enters the market, comes onto my radar in a true protein box, actually, mm. of all, through another partner. And I put it on and I think I've told this story before. I was like, holy shit, where did they get this shirt? What is this RecGen? And I was reading about it. I was doing it online. And then next thing you know, 
one thing leads to another. Here we are, and we're sitting with uh, one of the founders, Luke. Welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, so um, it's good to have you. So we've got some of the new samples sitting in front of us at the moment. Uh, This would be Generation 3, I believe. Um, This is Gen 2. Okay, Yeah. Generation 2. So before we get into RecGen... Obviously, you've got a long history of working in the industry. And I remember when we first met, we started making fun of every man and his dog who is 18 years old with an Instagram account, starting an apparel company. And there's uh, there's a lot that goes into it that people probably don't understand, which is why I think this is going to be such an interesting podcast because you're obviously going to shed light on the stuff that people don't know about apparel. It's not just finding a shirt from China and then just screening your logo on it. Yeah. Right? There's a lot more that goes into it to that from fabrics to cut sizes to obviously all the shipping and logistics stuff. So before we get into all that, talk us through like your journey in design and how you kind of got started in it. Yeah, cool. Um, so I studied, what did I do? I was at, um, I went to TAFE because my UAI was terrible. So I what's, tried to like what's do Dave? TAFE. TAFE. Oh, TAFE. TAFE. <laughs> it's like Dave. T-A-F-E. Dave. That's, that's how smart lock he is. He didn't even consider it. He's, it's the first time he's heard of it. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, I had, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and then did a bridging course, like TAFE to get my UAI up. Went to college. No, went to uni and started like leisure management. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I thought it was like hotel management. Does sound crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Doesn't sound like hard I'm work. I'm good at managing my leisure. <laughs> yeah. Um... Then when I work, worked out, you, they don't te- check the role at um, um, lectures. <laughs> yeah. That was an issue. I stopped going. Yeah. And then I deferred and then traveled for like, traveled Europe for a year, came back and did um, a private college, um, which was fashion, design and industry practices. I did that. It was pretty much two nights a week for a year. And then during that, I got work placement at a um, company called Sportscraft. So it's like a classic yeah. Australian men's Australian men's and women's brand. Um, I was there for about two years and then they acquired a brand called Saba, like more contemporary, younger mm-hmm. brand. I moved over to that, um, ended up heading that up not long after, probably like two and a bit years in. What year is this? <sighs> what year is this? I started with Sportscraft in 2005. Okay. So. Seven, eight? Yeah. Yeah. Seven, eight, I'd say. And then I got poached by Marks, another brand similar to Saba. And then the boys from Zainreb found me. And that's pretty much how I ended up here. Nice. Um, what year was that when you got poached by Zainreb? That was seven years and a month ago now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was a long time. Yeah. It's time, time's flied. Um, but I guess the, the best part about my upbringing, especially in apparel group, which owns Sportscraft and Saba, was that I worked under like um, one of the main designers from Calvin Klein, one from Paco Rabanne, which is like a couture brand. Um, and then one that came from Country Road and did Levi's jeans for ages. So I had like a really broad experience. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time overseas as well in the manufacturing process, like knitwear factories, cut and sew, woven, everything, like real hands-on, full experience. Like I was there for, I probably went every second month for a couple of years. So in, in China? Was China, this? yeah. yeah. China's kind of like, that's where all the technology was. That's where everything moved. Mm. Um, it'd be great to do a lot more in Australia, but it's just, totally like really not feasible mm. like a lot of people are like why aren't you making in australia and it's like hopefully we can get to that point if we start bringing some stuff back on shore but china's like you want to be where the technology is um all the developments all the fabric development that's all been done done offshore mm. like heaps in south korea mm. heaps um in china and europe as well mm. um but yeah going back so zane Robe and then i started rec gen 
I started under a band called Zanerobe Rec. So it was part of Zanerobe. Yep. Um, and then Zanerobe's like a menswear brand. So it was kind of hard to bridge into women's. So we decided to kind of rename it. Um, that was when I came into a, doing it um, with the two owners of Zanerobe. Yep. So at the moment, I am the design director for Zanerobe and the director of Rec Jan, so. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Keeping That's busy. Cool. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Zanerobe journey a little bit because I think there's obviously um, some po- important stuff in there. Zanerobe, uh, uh, for, for people who don't know listening to this, um, global brand, men's luxury streetwear, probably best way to describe it. Yeah. How did the development of that, you know, and that brand obviously that you've been with for the longest, how did your ideas develop with that over time? Because really, if I look at the, the last sort of seven, eight years of fashion, it was relatively kind of not stagnant, but it was, you know, it was relatively still in many mm-hmm. ways. It just kind of was coasting when I grew up and we were trying on clothes. There was kind of one place you went for clothes, like General Pants. And General yeah. Pants kind of had the same seven, eight brands, right? Yeah. And, and, and Zane Rove was one of them at the time. But now with something, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's how logistics change. I'm sure this is where you can give us the insights. Mm. The apparel industry has just exploded. If anything, it's, got, it's grown exponentially. So what was it like? going through that with Zainrob? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really good experience. I'd say the main thing which happened with Australian fashion in particular is that when the world was smaller and there was no ship, you couldn't get stuff shipped from the States and Europe. It was nowhere yeah. near as easy as it is now. So For the consumer? Of, yeah. yeah. So a lot of Aussie brands would copy what was done overseas because mm. um, you'd kind of be a season ahead. Like, you know, North Ham's winter, it'll be summer here by right. the time you develop that product. You know, like it was, it was, it was pretty bad the way Australian retail operated. Um, coming up to now, when the world's a lot smaller, there's a lot more eyes on it. People are seeing like if people are copying or ripping other brands off. Um, so it was a lot more about building your own brand, having it have a really strong identity, having a DNA. The the goal, like if someone picks up your garment without any tags, they're like, oh, that looks like a Zanerobe piece. Mm. So what I've done with Zanerobe in particular is it just it's followed its own path, its own kind of evolution of what it looks like. So I'm not really getting external influences. What I'm getting influenced by is fabric developments and like really big leaps and bounds in the kind of sustainability space. And then applying that to what people know and love from us and then thinking, what, how, where can we push the guy to next? Like what's going to kind of scare him a little bit? And then one of his mates wears it and then, they all write him off and then like two weeks later, they're all wearing the same thing. Mm. That's kind of how I envision Zane Rove and that's what's been the really big success for it. Mm. Um, in terms of like the growth of the industry, like it's COVID's made it blow up insanely, like over through, through digital channels online. Really? Um, the whole industry, apparel? I wouldn't say the whole industry, like anyone with bricks and mortar stores. Right. Really tough time. Yeah. Like no one obviously everything's shut but e-commerce fashion e-commerce fashion yeah mm. i'd say if you're doing a good job and you've got a good brand then you've you've increased you your sales went dramatically higher over covid mm. for sure what and what was your what's your reasoning behind that um i guess people having to shop online mm. um they're bored they're at Man, home it's they're sitting in front of money. their computer stimulus money oh, yeah. i think it's <laughs> like I got some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah um yeah and the us was stimulated as well massively mm. so not 80% of Zanerobe goes to Northern Ham. Mm, yeah. Tiny percentage is wow. Australia. Yeah. Mm. So, um, and the demographic, as you know, is way bigger over there. So, to have Zanerobe be a really strong brand globally and sell most into Northam is 
as what's made Sayonara really successful. Mm. Um, and then I guess trying to, by launching Rec, we're trying to go off the learnings that we've got from Zainrobe and put that into an activewear function, functional brand. Yeah. So, so tell us about the concept. Obviously, Zainrobe Rec existed. How long did it exist for before Rec Gen? And what was the catalyst to be like, no, guys, it's I want to do... I assume you were the catalyst behind like, yeah. no, we need to do athleisure wear for men. We want to do Rec Gen. Mm. What brought you to that point? Um in all honesty, it was I couldn't get equity in something called Zainrobe. So right. <laughs> there we go, boys. <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, but also like the potential that it had. Mm. Um, and I think Zainrobe, I think, is always at its core going to be a menswear brand. Like I think it's going to be very hard to introduce women's, and we're not really interested in it. So RecGen is a lot like a softer, more open name. I mm. think it can easily migrate over to women's. So mm. you've got to kind of think about all those things as well. Mm. Like it's good to have that connection and I think there'll always be that connection there, but I don't think we needed to have the name in the brand. Mm. And it's also like we want to be taken very seriously because what we're doing is some serious stuff. Like mm. where the technologies and stuff that we're investing in and we're um, applying to all our garments is pretty massive yeah mm. yeah no absolutely and we'll, we'll get into that absolutely the, the technology and the clothes um but before we do when you decided to settle on RecGen and, and create this company was it what were you doing for your own training at the time because obviously what's going like you said you're trying to limit the external inputs but you do mm. have external inputs and one of those big things that would obviously influence what you do is your training so what was some of the training that you did and, and what made you decide to go you know a certain away with mm. how the clothes are shaped and what they're used for? Um, I was heavily in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that for about four years now and I, I think the best test of any clothing is probably CrossFit. Undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're mashing that <laughs> stuff with barbells, yeah. Yeah. scraping it, doing everything Burpees. you possibly yeah, it's, can. It's abuse. Yeah. 100% yeah. abuse from every angle. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've had... Like you could probably be like a designer at Nike and you'd be one of 600 designers. God knows what you're working on. Maybe you're working on zippers or you're working on mm-hmm. like, you don't really get to see the end product. You don't really train in the end product. You're just a part of the process. Mm. Here it's like, I'll wear something and I'll instantly know. Like I'm my biggest critic by far. Like I lose sleep over like things that could possibly go wrong. Mm. Um, so like when, when I train, I'm like, oh, it'd be so good if my phone could be on the side and not get hit by dumbbells or barbells. Not that you listen to music during CrossFit, but mm. Mm. <laughs> applying yeah. that yeah. to yeah. Globo gyms where I used to train. Yeah. Um, and then just like the stretch, everything you want. You want it to be light. You want it to be wicking. You want it to like be breathable. Mm. So there's no better way than to actually physically use the product at that time. Yeah. And so when you you started CrossFit before RecGen started, mm. were you trying to use Zainred Rec products in the, in the CrossFit setting? Yeah. And what I else used, were you trying to use? I used a few of them. Um, Zainra Breck pretty much came about because General Pants wanted an uh, activewear brand. Okay. Um, they wanted it more like a hybrid. So, like, you know, like you could... It is what Rec is now. Like you can wear it out. You can yep. wear it in the gym. But this was a bit more like more based around the street and then mm. sitting and doing bench press. Like mm. not sweating much, not doing many much cardio. Um what was your question again? <laughs> no, yeah, I was just wondering like what, what uh, it's, it's overall I'm tying into like what influenced the creation of the different shapes and sizes of the product because yeah, right. ca- kind of what I'm getting to is like if you, th- if you look at 
some of the products you would have been, I assume you would have tested stuff like Nike and Adidas mm. and Lululemon in your CrossFit yeah, and yeah. learned gone, wow, Lulu does this really well. That suits well for CrossFit. I'm going to think about integrating that into, into RecGen stuff. Were you mm. slowly building those ideas before you went all out into RecGen? I mean, probably like subconsciously, like mm. just based around what I like to wear. Um, I guess the main thing that really stuck out for me for those brands is it's like they launch a product and then a month later, they're like, oh, here's a better product than what we just launched. Like, here's the new short. Mm-hmm. Here's the new version of that short. Here's the new... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's like, I want to just create the best short and then slightly tweak it as we go. Like, if it is already everything it needs to be, then where we're going to improve it on is going to be sustainability and, um, like, strength, um, life cycle, like, all those kind of things. So, it's like... I just want to have some, like, I don't want to go too wide with product. I just want to keep it narrow and Mm. really controlled and then Mm. just improve it in ways of, like, what's going to help the planet, what's going to be better to wear, what's going to be more comfortable, what are the new colors that we can do that aren't, like, in your face and... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's only so many times you can reinvent, like, an you know, athletic short. You know mm. what I mean? And a, and a shape and a cut before it's like getting a bit ridiculous. Yeah. And I think almost speaking from my perspective, you know, the the original products that we used to use in CrossFit were Lululemon. They were the most resilient, and yeah. they're obviously great technology. I want to get into that, but one thing that I noticed when using the like Lululemon products and now having stepped out and not used their products for. I don't know, maybe like three years or whatever or not bought new products for years and then going into the stores the other day just to kind of look around. There's there's so much, it's like the whole thing is redone. I'm almost like, ah, oh, it's too hard now. Yeah. Like you've, It's almost like you fall behind. It's almost like unless you're in there buying it every day and staying up to date, it's like there's just there's all these different names now and all these different mm. shapes and so I'm like, I don't know what which short is for what anymore. Like it used to be like this short for that and this and this and this. Yeah. And now they're all like, it's so confusing you fall behind. It's almost like you need to be part of that cult following mm. or it's like you get left behind. Yeah, especially as a guy, you want to you wanna know your short, your fit and then yeah. when new colors come out, you're like, sweet, I get yeah. the new colors. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly a guy get that, that new print. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so let's transition. Bit of technology stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I think that's obviously what separates Rec Gen and pretty much every other um, athleisure wear company, um, except for Lululemon. Obviously, like the market leaders in yeah. like you know fabric technology. And I want you because they kind of lead in that department. I want you to talk a little bit about maybe some of the stuff that they've done that's pretty awesome. And then I guess some of the ideas that you've done with Rec Gen, some of the stuff you've blended together. I will say. Rectum stuff is better than the Nike gear. For what, for some reason, Nike seems to not invest as heavily. I find in the durability and mm. the materials as as well as they could with the budgets they have. Yeah. Seems like all that money and effort goes into the shoe. Like if you take a Nike shoe, they do break down, but they're like they're pretty advanced in their shoe technology. And yeah. I've always found their apparel is like not as strong. Like even like their socks, like have ho- I bought a pair of socks and that have holes in them. Mm. I'm like, this Nike, how's this happening? You know what I mean. <laughs> But um, but with stuff like Lulu, obviously it like lasts through the apocalypse, and I feel like Rex just a, a touch behind Lulu, ahead of Nike. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how you feel about that that <laughs> comparison, but um, I guess what are some of the breakthroughs that you saw Lulu do as a company, and then what are you trying to innovate with with RecGen? I mean, to be honest, I haven't really paid that much attention. Okay. Um, externally, like what I again, what I focus on is speaking to um, fabric producers and what they're doing. Um, cause I could, it'd be great knowing like what Lulu do, but then it's like, how do I, if I want that same thing, how do I go about it? Mm. Um, 
I mean, I think from the get-go, before Rec started, I was wearing Lulu shorts for sure. Um, the nine-inch just linerless mm. ones, they mm. were the ones I'd go to just because they're light, they're breathable. I didn't really think too much past that. Um, now, I guess the things driving me are like, the I want the stronger short, the most like agile, a lot of stretch. Um, the stitching has to be top-notch, can't break. And then... Now I want it. To, I want the nylon, but I also want the recycled component. Um, the nylon is a pretty interesting fabric. Like once it's here, unless it's recycled, it's here forever. Like wow. you, if that ends up in landfill, it's, it's never not breaking going anywhere. down. No, nah. I mean maybe in a thousand years or something. Like it's pretty. It's pretty overwhelming. So what we do now is we um, well all our shorts are forty five um forty percent recycled nylon um that's blended with like virgin nylon and when that's bonded together it's actually stronger than the virgin nylon and it has a recycled component and then it can be recycled again so it's like um one now that the technology's there and we can do it in a sustainable way it's like why would you not mm. um it's better the type one short i've got products here but you guys obviously yep. can't see them yeah um the type one original was thicker than that. Um, this has got a higher tensile strength now, which means it's like stronger, right. going to be more abrasion resistant. And then it's in the end, it's softer as yeah. well. Oh, it's softer, even though it's stronger. Softer, lighter, stronger. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's what really excites me is what's happening in the fabric technology space. Mm. And like, we go to South Korea for that because they're the only ones doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's why like if we could make everything here, it'd be so good, but we're like getting fabrics from like very global brand. Like we're mm. getting, we're sourcing from who is doing the best job globally mm. and then creating our products out of that. And then even down to the fleece now. So I guess our, our goal is if we're using a natural fiber, it's naturally biodegradable. Cotton will biodegrade if it's in landfill. Um, we blend that with 20% recycled polyester. So if we're going to go to man-made fabrics, we're going to look at recycled. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good angle. Like we obviously can't be perfect and we'd do, like if we did 100% recycled cotton, it'd fall apart. Right. It's like trying to make, um, the best thing about cotton is the stable, um, staple, which is the fiber, how okay. long the natural fiber is, okay. is how it's going to denote how strong it is. Okay. And then that's spun together. And so if you have lots of long staple, it's a really strong fiber. It's going to last forever. Hmm. If you're doing recycled, it's kind of like trying to, paper mache together right yeah yeah, (laughs) you know what i mean it's broken the original strength of it yeah yeah so it's like on one side we want to be the most sustainable we can but then on the other side we want the products to last forever Mm. and we're just kind of waiting for the technology to catch up to where it needs to be Mm. and then at the other end it's like how much is the consumer going to pay because this stuff isn't cheap Mm. yeah and how, how many of the other big brands are actually doing recycled and stuff that's good for the environment i haven't seen all that much i think what what's going to drive it is the consumer. Yeah. That's what happens all the time. So until the consumer is like, I'm not going to buy that landfill shit anymore. I'm going to put my money on something that's going to be better for the environment. And then when that starts to happen, that's when they'll all go yeah. leaps and bounds ahead because mm. they can do it. It's going to mm. cost them more and they're probably not thinking that people are willing to pay mm. a bit more. Isn't that how all markets work though? Yeah. Whatever the consumer buys, right? That's <laughs> where the sure. money is. Yeah. People start buying Teslas and they like refuse to buy petrol cars. Yeah. And- we get more electric. Well, that's just going to be, that's going to just wipe out petrol cars, right? Exactly. And it's just like taken that long. It took someone else to come into the market and drive that for all the petrol cars to go, shit, we actually have to do something here. Mm. 
Now, now Rex a little bit different in terms of you know you mentioned that Zaydenrobe, obviously the parent company, mm. has is eighty percent the Northern Hemisphere, USA, Canada, that sort of thing. Now, RegGen's mostly Australian, right? Mm-hmm. That we spoke to. Yep. Was there? Were you purposely targeting the Australian market here, and were you going after a specific type of consumer, like a CrossFitter or a runner, or was it? Mm. You weren't really thinking about it like that. Um, I think originally we thought we were speaking to the same channels as Zainrobe, so we thought it'd be my majority Northern Ham. It's probably at about like a sixty forty split, primarily mm. Australian. Um, I think we'd probably have more exposure here than we have in the states and that's why we've been selling more into australia um which is fine that's kind of how zanrup started yeah um we're not we haven't invested too heavily in marketing for rec gen yet because we're obviously trying to get the product to just be the best Amazing, and then yeah. we're ready to yeah. to go wild like we're not wholesaling it yeah um we're just going direct to consumer at the moment but we might open that up once we're really happy with it mm. which is definitely gen 2 yeah. um what was the second part of your question? It was, I guess uh, I was just wondering, you know, was it intentional for you to target the Australian market? It seems like oh, okay. more organically. Yeah, definitely more organically. Like we haven't we haven't paid influencers. We haven't yeah. gone down that really kind of aggressive marketing path yet. So yeah. I guess it's just from word of mouth and exposure and where people have been wearing it and it's kind of growing organically from that. Yeah. So yeah, give us some more insights into that what that strategy was, how it played out and then where you see it going because yeah, like a, a lot of, you know, different apparel companies, they all kind of follow a similar marketing structure when they launch but uh, Rec was, yeah, you're kind of growing a little bit slower like you said, you're spending a bit more time on the product. It's great, it's been sold out mm. for a long time yeah, in a lot of sizes and stuff. Good and bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what, what were you thinking when you first launched? Obviously, you just mentioned being product focused but obviously, you still have to market. You still mm. have to get it into the hands of the right people so what were you what was kind of the strategy then? What yeah, I think learn? off the bat, just being from where I was training, it was I was kind of just putting it on CrossFitters. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I, that was never my goal. Um, I want to obviously get the gym market. I'm expanding into golf. Um, just pretty much a broad variety. I don't really want to pigeonhole it to any one sport or mm. kind of one discipline because I think now more than ever, people are doing more than just, you know, mm. one discipline. Like Yeah. And so with this gen as well like um we're bringing in a new short which you can swim in um and yeah the golf kind of is going to start with this drop as well well you can't swim in the other shorts <laughs> yeah I you mean, can oh, you okay. can swim in all of yeah them. i've been swimming but in. um <laughs> the pockets didn't have like um perforation in mm. them so the water didn't drain as quickly so oh, kind i did of notice that about all that stuff i did notice that. So you get heavy big balloon pockets yeah yeah, yeah that's why yeah okay that's what happened there that's um but yeah they're all they're all totally amphibious but these ones are kind of marketed directly at being able to swim and training them yeah okay um and then the golf like we're approaching golf in a way that it's smart casual wear like you can wear these pants and these shorts at the office but you can also play golf in them if you choose Mm. um we never want to just be like really like this is a loud kind of golf shirt or polo or Mm. short you know like i want it to be able to be worn how you want to wear it Mm. And yeah, if you so happen to want to swing some clubs in it, you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the same with all rec product. Like I, I pretty much just live in it now. Like, mm. um, I think people, especially over COVID, people are looking for comfort. They're looking for functionality. Um, clothing, I think, as a whole, probably hasn't progressed anywhere near as much as what other things in the marketplace have. Like it's still, at its core, pretty basic. Like all you're doing is trying to look good and cover yourself up. Mm. Mm. But now, like, there's a lot more going into 
technology and stuff that they can kind of progress clothing to. Like one day you'll probably we'll probably all just be wearing morph suits that you fall on the ground and it the nanotechnology you know locks that up and you good. can't break your arm stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Right. Like I think that they're really focusing on the mm. industry as a whole and you're going to people are going to require a lot more out of their clothing. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not not stuff we think about. We just we inspire. But yeah, that's cool. If my clothes can protect me from bullets, I'm I'll definitely <laughs> consider if I move to the states. Um, oh yeah. So um, I was going to ask. Yeah. So with uh, with the choice of the representatives of the brand, it sounded like mm-hmm. obviously we're part of that. Um, you, you chose some other people as well along the way, and then I think anyone that gets into any, especially the apparel, the e-commerce consumer stuff, they've they're kind of building a strategy of the kind of people they want to represent their brand. Yeah. How did you go about that? Was there was there a rhyme or reason to it or did you just kind of... Um, I'd say that was a very organic process as well. So it was, um, we get hit up by a lot, a lot of people, obviously. Like there's people obviously on Instagram as well who just have auto thing that they send to all <laughs> these brands just yeah, trying to get that. a collaboration. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> um, I just like at, like at a very base level, I need someone to actually froth and like really love the product before we'd ever consider kind of bring them on as an ambassador. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't naturally love it and want to wear it all the time, I'm not really interested in in working with them. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty crazy. Like so, especially like through Instagram, people are just paid tons of money to promote something, and they at their core they probably don't even like yeah. it. Yeah. They probably would never wear it. If you see them on the street, they wouldn't. They yeah. don't wear it, yeah. but they get. It's just insane that people can promote something that they're not actually mm. so in love with. Mm. Um, so I guess like when we are gonna go down this path, that's what the number one thing we'll be looking for. Because mm. you can't fake natural passion. Mm. You can't like that person's not gonna go onto the street and tell their friends about it, and you know, like organically love it. So even yeah, I just think that speaks volumes mm. over someone just doing it for a short time for an amount of money mm. and how would you be the gauge of someone that's doing that organically versus like oh no yeah look i love it yeah just send me like heaps of shit yeah and, and i think it's it. pretty like as if i'm still involved in the process it's not too difficult to decipher sure um obviously as we grow and i probably won't be as be able to like, i still look at all the um dms and stuff yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like yeah um, just how we manage that process but the team I work with everyone's as passionate as me so I think everyone just you know like it's not a big global company with heaps of red tape like oh, yeah. there's a lot um, it's a lot smaller than people think mm. yeah absolutely and uh, I mean I think what you said the subtlety of RecGen goes really well because you know I have this stack of shorts and there's like my casual stuff behind it which is partly Zenrobe as well but honestly I can never make it through my stack of casual shorts because I just yeah. have so many now which is great and I just always wear them because they work with everything mm. you know which I think is like what you in- in- intentionally designed is that you can wear this the type 2 black short pretty much with any sort of thing you're cruising around on the weekend I, yeah a very I think the amount of times I actually work out in the shorts is the same as when I wear them outside as well which is yeah. obviously super important as well yeah um i think at its core as well like if we're the one brand and we're designing kind of all the products like we spend countless hours trying to get the lab dips like the color standards of each fabric Mm. spot on Mm. because like to match a nylon to like a fleece Mm. so hard Mm. yeah (laughs) oh to make the shorts match the shirt yeah like to make the colors of the different fabrics actually match is totally different process Mm. These are all things that you learn when you've been yeah. in the game a lot longer. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, 
And now one of the things I wanted to touch on just before we move off the marketing stuff was you did a collaboration with one of the biggest fitness brands in the world, Barry's Bootcamp. Mm. Uh, I mean, we don't have to necessarily know how that came about, but like how come you chose working with that brand? And, you know, I'm sure other gyms probably approach you for wholesale stuff. And obviously we're looking at doing some stuff with Locker Room. Yeah. Um, how are you kind of deciphering which brands you want to work with and, um, you know, how sort of why choose Barry's? And yeah. Maybe not someone else. Um, yeah, that one came about, I guess, because we um, were at that stage, we're both trying to really grow our brand in um, Australia because obviously they've got a huge presence in the States. Um, yeah. And then when they started opening ones here, they'd never done a male collaboration before. They'd done plenty of women's. Mm. Um, I, word of mouth, I don't know how it got back to their marketing team, but they, um, we sat down and had a meeting, went over it. And then from that day, we were kind of formulating what it was going to look like. And not just being like their first collaboration, it was quite a big one as well. Ran, um, still running now. Um, we're doing like, we're doing three separate drops, so like color drops, just as we would do our own product on, mm. in our store, um, on our online. Um, and then just like how easy it was to work with them, how much they were just letting us control the design process. Um, and then there's their whole brand aesthetic, like they're spending so much money on their studios and their mm. like, their end visuals, that it was just like a really easy kind of, um, collaboration for us to do made sense mm. yeah awesome yeah um, okay so tell us about the future of RecGen obviously uh, there's some stuff I don't know how much you can reveal or whatever but we did talk about something I guess this is kind of like the performance line or uh, whatever lifestyle maybe oh, yeah. there's more of a streetwear line coming potentially can we talk about that yeah so I guess like the other thing about um, separating the brands Zane Robe and Rec at the start was so we could get a bit more into the lifestyle side of the brand as well um like if we was if it was still zane robrek it would be like how are we going to do two different versions of the hoodie mm. do you know what i mean like mm. <laughs> on the same website yeah yeah so here it's like we can we can do a lot of things with like using the same technologies and fabrics but having a totally different kind of end product like right. vibe right um so the lifestyle stuff started with wreck with the fleece um so the, when I say life, lifestyle, it's not necessarily what you're going to be training in. Like you can train in mm. the 400 JSM fleece if you want, but it's probably not going to yeah, be going to get hot for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably yeah. going to be pretty sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're one of those guys Sauna on the suit. treadmill with like the <laughs> yeah. full sweats yeah, on, yeah. trying to cutting weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but from there, what we're moving into is um, a big organic capsule as well. So we're bringing in jersey, like um, 100% cotton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, you could train in this stuff in like if you're doing bench press or something, yeah. but if you're going to do heavy sweating and cardio, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't recommend it. Mm. Um, but yeah, organic across both men's and women's. Um, and then again, going to that smart casual realm as well. So, um, the kind of crossover between golf and like office. chinos, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Not like it'll be a technical chino. Yeah. So it'll be like, we'll incorporate like the recycled nylon. It'll be like wicking. It'll be really breathable. Mm. Um, but again, just taking what people are used to, like a real corporate pant, which is uncomfortable mm. um, and very limited use and seeing what we can do mm. with that, making it a cut pant people actually want to wear. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is that where you see just the demand going? Because obviously, like, activewear has got huge... I don't know if it's still growing. Maybe it is growing even faster. But is mm. it now people... Okay, I've got tons of activewear. I want to go back to the clothes I already got, but I demand them to be able to do more in my day and not be so restrictive. Yeah, I mean, that would be my prediction for sure, mm. especially our customer. Like, I know a lot of people out there are forced to wear, like, corporate wear. And so, like, how do we 
how do we address that from what we want to yeah. do? It's Are like this stuff is so shirt? comfortable. They're coming back to the old clothes. Yeah. And they're asking for more. Yeah. Mm. It's like, I even like when I used to do CrossFit, I trained in the um, CFA in the city and people would shower and get changed straight after it. And you know, and like you haven't cooled down yet. And you yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You, I was like, this got, that's got to be the most uncomfortable thing. Yeah. It's yeah. More world. yeah. And I think another, th- another factor that's driving kind of our research and development in that space is that, um, COVID was an eye-opener for everyone about wanting to be comfortable, mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like kind of addressing things. In Why is that? Ways. Is that because you're at home? I think because you're We're just you're like, I haven't home. got long to live yet. I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> 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 Maybe both. <laughs> but it's like, I'm at home. I'm so comfortable. Why do I have to go to yeah, work? Why right. do I have to put dress shoes mm, yeah. on? Why do I have to put... Suit in summer. Yeah, yeah this yeah. woolen suit, <laughs> three layers on. Yeah. Like I know some businesses will never get away from that, no, like, I guess. Yeah. But... Like, I think that's made people go, maybe we can do things differently. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess even tech, flexible. right? Tech employs so many people now and you don't need to wear a suit. Yeah. So, there's so many people going to the city not in a suit now. Mm. Must be like a market for something. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Big time. We're starting to tap into it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like we, between what you guys see versus what we've developed and how long that process has taken, it's... You know, it's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of time and things that didn't make it. Yeah. Between there and now. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's oh, why sure. you just can't start it yourself on on your own back, generally. Mm. Is that what you say the industry's got to? That you like some an individual can't really just start an apparel brand unless there's some sort of backing or partnership. Yeah, I mean, I think you can. You can start it in any capacity you want, but again, I feel like I I get hit up probably once every two weeks about someone going, Hey, can you help me start a brand? Mm. And mm. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe go like dis- be disciplined and actually learn like what you're wanting to do. Yeah. Like I think one there's one part having a really great idea for a brand and having like amazing marketing and having an amazing idea in your head of what you want it to be. But then there's like you need to know the fundamentals of yeah how like fabrics work and mm. how they work on the body and what you need to do. Like there's just so much that goes into it. So it always kind of like catches me off guard that people think that you know they can just mm. i mean some of them maybe can but I, i'd say it'd be pretty rare yeah no i got an education recently from a guy who gets all his suits custom made mm. and he was like i didn't know anything obviously about like suits or whatever but then what obviously part of the tailoring process is that the tailor will then educate you on the different choices you'd make and mm. the results of those choices for your different suits and one of the things he was educating me on was uh, thread count in shirts and he was saying like at higher thread counts you know you can wear the shirt the result is basically you pay more you wear the shirt for longer it stays fresher nice. it stays cleaner mm. the wrinkles don't you know appear as much for longer so you know he can go for a full day's lunch into a dinner into maybe some bendering and then rock up the next day at work in the same suit and it looks like it's fresh and ironed yeah. you know and you've paid all this extra money grand that's for. yeah that's the result <laughs> rather than it holds all the creases yeah, in the that. elbow and it doesn't so just stuff like that, I think mm. people hear that and they go, fuck, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah, most people, they'll go in and they're like, oh, this shirt's this price, this shirt's this price. Yeah. Why? One of them might be polyester. Like, it might look good for one day and then it's going to stink. Like, mm. polyester retains smell. Um, we use polyester in our oxy tees, but we also add the silver plus yes. element, which they don't smell, counteracts yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like especially with a work shirt yeah you can go up to like 300 count cotton and like the higher the number the finer the strands of cotton mm-hmm. and then you can go to two count which is like twisted together which is even stronger right um and then that's obviously what you pay for but that is going to last you a lot longer so mm-hmm. maybe you've bought 
15 polyester shirts it's going to live the same length as that one shirt which in the long run is cheaper mm. <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's way better it's yeah. way nicer to wear yeah um but that's what i talk about brands that just create landfill mm. they're going for that quick dollar mm. um i mean not to throw shade but like the cotton ons like the really cheap price point of brands people H&M. are like oh how can Sorry. we fucking throw them let's go <laughs> the top. Hey. let's go for the alphabet <laughs> oh i could be here all day um but it's like yeah People are like, oh, why should we buy yeah. um, your Zane Rope jogger, which is $99 first? We could get three of them at Cotton On. I'm like, yeah, go to Cotton On mm. and get you. And you'll probably, the, the Zane Rope one's going to outlast mm. the three pairs you bought. And the cuff's going to be loose and both the cuffs won't measure the same. Yeah, there's, there's so many things, like even down to the QC process of what we allow onto the market. Like we have one centimeter tolerances. So the waistband can be either plus or minus one cm like when it's sitting flat yeah um obviously higher tolerances the more like you could get a short in and they both say 32 but one of them's measuring a 34 because they're like right the brand's tolerance is very high right which is a lot cheaper. more errors yeah mm. yeah but like the the measurement points on like even a pair of shorts there's probably like 20 25 measurement points fuck <laughs> Yes, way more that goes into it than what you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's always funny. Like people are like, oh, you probably make your stuff for $2. Like, no, you're wrong. Like yeah, it's yeah. a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, where we produce, like we've worked with the same partners for a very long time. Like we Zoom every day. Like we're actually part, like we're partners with them, with our factories. Um, so there's that one point and we want to pay them really well. Um, the, the the production costs in those countries now are like a lot higher. Like the standard of living there is really good. That's mm. why because they want to buy lunch and dinner. <laughs> basically, <laughs> come on, bro. Come on, bro. Don't no, people people tomorrow. are so like China's very he- heavily regulated now. Yeah. Production was done in Hong Kong, and then they built that up. Yep. Now it's like China. That's been built up too expensive. Most of the brands are now in Vietnam, Bangladesh, yeah, India because well. it's cheaper. Yeah. But then the whole world's throwing money at those countries, so eventually they will go up. But that's a good thing. To stay in the ones that are really developed is obviously you're paying a premium, Mm. and it's nowhere near like it's not sweatshops. It's not what people think. Yeah. Um, I can't speak about the rest of the world, but China is very heavily regulated. Yeah. Um, And now what? Yeah, what's coming in there as well is um, regulation on um, how clean everything is, how clean the water's going to stay, like Mm. all those things. Um, regulations on organic and all these kinds so of things. So they kind of like well. dump the dump the product and save money that way because like the whole country's getting not as healthy. Is that what you mean? In Which one? Water supply. Um, like, yeah, well like um, the regulation in China now is like you can't do what you used to do. You yeah. can't be polluting our street, the waters yeah. and stuff like that. So, And then all of that obviously prices go up. So that's why big brands that are very keen on getting the best margin pop possible are going to the under like less developed countries Mm. yeah it's just this natural evolution of like where because obviously if you know anything about the history of china obviously coming out of world war ii they were like in severe poverty like Mm. on the lowest end of the scale like couldn't feed any population people dying from starvation every day they become this manufacturing power the focus is at all costs let's get money in right so they obviously get rid of all regulations we just need to make money yeah. we need to feed our people and then they've hit this evolution where global economic power now we can work on consolidating quality of life cleaning up the water streams mm. fixing all the problems that we kind of accepted in the process of getting here and now people i think still have that old mentality of like yeah things aren't regulated things are dirty things are not yeah. clean sweatshops 
it's come a long way because they care. They're like, no, we're out of that evolution. Now we care about being like in Australia where everyone has a great quality of life and more living space and access to clean water and food and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's very, yeah, cool. it's very, people's mentality is still very far back. Very, very, <laughs> then you go there, get an yeah. education. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously very excited for the future of rec stuff. I mean, like we're all the time. Uh, so the generation two, mm-hmm. when is this launching? I mean, this podcast is coming out very soon, but um, what's the date that we're trying to launch it? It's best you can estimate. What is the date next week? Uh, so it's the 19th of March. Today. Okay, so, so we're be- saying end of March. Okay. Um, what we have done is our warehouses relocated to Australia. Um, in the future, we will have one in Australia, one in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of service the whole world. Um, but with with movings and integrations, there's probably going to be some teething problems, but we'll probably bring the website down um, for around a day. And then when we launch, it'll be all Gen 2. Yeah. Wicked. Ready to roll. And so the Gen 2 stuff is going to be more of what we kind of already, like the old stuff revisited, slight upgrades, that sort of yep. thing. Yeah. We're talking stronger, lighter, far more sustainable, yep. which is what we want to kind of build the whole rec brand around mm-hmm. um you'll see as as the seasons go past as the technology gets better we introduce a lot more um recycled and sustainability and sustainable stuff okay yeah so a lot of the similar the same cuts that people are familiar with the type one two three they're gonna they're gonna stay but just with small upgrades in the materials technology yeah. that sort of so stuff so big yeah main focus would be around like materials draw cords whatever we can do to like make it lighter yeah lighter stronger right. better um, and then just around to like all our packaging and everything as well is all going to be biodegradable and yeah, awesome. Yeah, big focus on sustainability. Yeah, and that's been an eye opener in itself with all the greenwashing out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the um, so like the best feeling that I get from, and I think this is a natural evolution that obviously the industry is growing, but the evolution you have on a personal level as you kind of get older and you have a bit more money, disposable income to spend on stuff. You start going, okay, well, I don't have to buy the cheapest stuff anymore. And now I will invest, you know, $100 in a pair of shorts instead because when I get the quality stuff, it's like, holy shit, this thing stays in my wardrobe for ages. I wear it every day. Mm. Whereas the other stuff, it just, it churns through. I mean, do you have any shorts or shirts from the the initial CrossFit days? Like some of those companies, like it was... We're churning through that stuff like it's going out. Man, it was, I could crazy. barely get to the rep number 10. Yeah. <laughs> I ripped the bottom. Yeah. These are actually the first shorts of my life, you're including right. Lulo's. I don't rip at the bottom of the squat. Yeah. So good. You're out there buying like weird four-stretch board shorts and stuff. Yeah. And like from surf. We started in, We started with Hurley's. Yeah, like all kinds of crazy. <laughs> but it's so ugly that you just threw it out anyway. So as soon as you realized, oh, I'm wearing board shorts out to lunch and you're like slightly yeah. embarrassed, <laughs> you're putting it away. But now it's definitely a worth, like you said before, do I buy three pairs of this brand or one pair from Rec? Mm. It's like, well, once you realize the quality and you invest in it once, it's hard to go back because now it's like, yeah, I need less stuff, you know, kind of this minimalist idea in some ways, which is gaining popularity. It's like, I would rather have less but high quality stuff in my wardrobe mm. than just lots of shit that I wear That's not working twice. with me. I've got so much Rec Gen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not minimal. <laughs> it's a bit of an exception when you're, they're your partner. I guess, but yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're investing in it, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I guess the number one test would be if you have a cupboard full of shorts and like your rec gens are on the washing line, you're like, damn it. Yeah. I really don't yeah. want to wear these other shorts. Yeah, yeah. And then, you, then you know. That's when you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other pairs are wear a Zane robe. So yeah. it's like, it's one, 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 one and the same. So, uh, but Luke, uh, any, any final words, anything people need to look out for for rec gen that you're excited to tell them about or um, can follow you guys? Yeah, I mean, jump on to us on Instagram. 
It's best place. Mm, so yeah. you guys will push that. We'll be doing a lot of, um, you'll be seeing a lot of teasers of what we're about to release, which is cool. Hopefully you'll be out by the time yeah. this podcast goes live. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just I'd really kind of focus about what you stand for when you want to train and like the apparel you want to wear and make sure you're making the right choices for the planet yeah. as well. Matt. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, fortunately for the locker room clients, they will be getting the new their stuff printed on Ooh. the new Gen 2. Oh, exclusive to locker room clients. So don't, some people message us in asking, <laughs> hey, can I get some locker room stuff? I'm like, no, you can't. Yeah, that's it's looking good. Yeah. Very and, good. And uh, you'll be visiting soon. But uh, Luke, thanks for coming in. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Thanks, thanks for being boys. on the show. Thanks, Pleasure. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash The After Show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.